The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. From the Sea of Galilee to the desert wilderness of the Negev, Israel is the living embodiment of God's covenant promises. What happens in Israel shapes the destiny of the world, and its eternal capital, Jerusalem, is never far from the news. Politicians may be confounded by the very presence of this tiny nation that's been restored after 2,000 years of exile by the Jewish people, but God's prophetic timetable is unfolding before our very eyes. The Jerusalem Channel provides a spiritual understanding of what's really happening in our world today, but we can only continue with your support. Please consider helping us to go and grow with this media ministry. You can make a gift through our website, our app, or by post. Our mailing address in the USA is Box 2768, Stanton, Virginia, 24402. In the UK, it's Box 109, Hereford, HR4 9XR. Keep informed and pray for the peace of Jerusalem by partnering with the Jerusalem Channel. If you don't remember the past, you're condemned to repeat it. Well, because we live on the other side of the Nazi Holocaust, there's absolutely no excuse for the repeat of today's virulent anti-Semitism. It's bad enough to see anti-Semitism rearing its ugly head amongst the general public, but when it re-emerges within the Christian churches, that's really disturbing and very dangerous. Churches especially must be careful to honor our elders in the faith, and to be on the right side of history. Even though Jesus was involved in intense spiritual warfare with the Jewish elders of his day, ending in his sacrificial death, still he asked for forgiveness for everybody involved in his death because he understood that they didn't know what they were doing. Furthermore, Jesus said in John 4:22 that salvation proceeds from the Jewish people meaning that the Hebraic roots of our faith must be understood and assimilated. So a battle of truth or consequences is going on right now in the churches over Israel. The question is, are we going to accept the truth or bear the consequences? Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. The rise of anti-Semitism in Britain with attacks on Jewish people hit record levels last year. A charity that monitors anti-Semitic abuse in the UK has recorded nearly 1,400 hate crimes. That's the highest figure since statistics of that nature were first recorded 34 years ago. The charity whose name is Community Security Trust monitors anti-Semitism and provides security for the Jewish community in Britain. More than 800 further reports of potential incidences were received by the charity 
involving suspicious activities at Jewish locations. The actual incidents included desecration of Jewish property, verbal abuse, and various threats, anti-Semitic graffiti, hate mail, and mass-mailed anti-Semitic leaflets. Most of the incidents took place in Greater London and Greater Manchester, where the two largest Jewish communities in the UK are located. However, and this is significant, the number of incidents is actually higher than recorded. This is because a survey of Jewish experiences and perceptions of anti-Semitism in the European Union found that over 70% of British Jews who had experienced anti-Semitic harassment over the previous five years had chosen not to report the incidents to the police or to any organization. And the majority, 57% of British Jews who had experienced anti-Semitic violence or the threat of violence had also not reported the incidents. And 46% of those who had suffered anti-Semitic vandalism through their homes or cars had also chosen not to report the vandalism to the police. So that tells us that the statistics of anti-Semitic incidents are still very conservative, and that's shocking. One reason behind the rise in anti-Semitism is that extremists are able to hold events such as Israel Apartheid Weeks on college campuses, but these events promote inaccurate messages about how Israel treats its populace, when in fact, I know because I'm an eyewitness, Israeli Arabs are free to vote, they can serve in the parliament, the Knesset, they can serve on courts, they mingle in society, in malls, they sit in restaurants, public transport, and so forth. Well, recently, I was very disturbed to hear an American televangelist who claims to be born again, broadcasting programs against Israel in which he sounded like he was eaten up with hatred for the patriarchs of our faith. He arrogantly called Israel a fake nation and even went so far to speak blasphemy against God saying that the devil, and not God, has brought the Jewish people back to their own ancient homeland, the land of Israel. What a blasphemy. I wonder what Bible that preacher owns that he's failing to read, because God promised to bring the Jews back in the last days in order to vindicate God's holy name as a covenant-keeping God. The broadcaster also called for all-out war against so-called Christian Zionists, calling them a cancer in the body of Messiah. Well, this hatred is very divisive, and it's a symptom of the latest tragic anti-Semitic cult that's lurking in churches. And I was deeply saddened to read the number of comments on YouTube of professing Christians who applauded this man and agreed with him. The world needs to know that so-called Christian Zionists are actually just evangelical Bible believers to whom God has given a measure of grace to understand end-time events and 
to rightly divide, to rightly handle this word of God. Not every believer is called to the nation of Israel. If that were the case, there wouldn't be enough room for all of us to congregate in this tiny nation. However, those of us who have been given revelation by God that He's restoring His ancient people, revelation of scriptures that have always been here in the Bible, well, we are especially blessed, I believe, because the God of Israel has chosen us to express His heart and His undying love for His ancient people, whom He's never rejected. So I pray for that teeth-gritting television preacher to repent of his scathing diatribes against the Jewish state and to repent of the blood libels that he's bringing against Israel. I pray for him and others to understand the times properly, like the children of Issachar did in their generation. You see, in the Hebrew Bible, in 1 Chronicles 12, 32, the children of Issachar were commended for understanding the times and knowing what Israel should do. Yet that American preacher falsely accused evangelicals who support the right for the Jewish state to exist, quote, cancers in the body of Christ, because according to his accusations, we've made an idol out of Israel and the Star of David, replacing the cross with the Star of David. But we don't love the Star of David more than the cross. In fact, I've discovered that most evangelicals like me have a heart of love for all the peoples of the Middle East, and we want to see all the peoples of this region live in peace and righteousness under the banner of King Messiah. So it's not our intention to make an idol out of Israel and Israel's symbols. He claimed that when he got saved back in the 1970s, nobody was talking about Israel then, People were only talking about Jesus and the cross. But since the Six-Day War of 1967, many more believers in the churches have been waking up to the fact that Bible prophecy is being fulfilled exponentially in the state of Israel. And so naturally, we're talking about it. Of course, we know that Israel right now is not what God intends it to be in the future. It's not a holy nation, even though it is a beacon of democracy compared to the nations surrounding it. But people who resent evangelical support and understanding for Israel are short-sighted and have a dangerous blind spot. We know that the Bible teaches that God hasn't rejected His ancient people. That's what Romans 11 says. But He still has a future and a hope for them. God needs His church to believe Him that He will restore Israel as promised in Romans 9, 10, and 11. Replacement theology wrongly claims that God has abandoned and thrown away the Jewish people and that the church is exclusively the inheritors of the promises of God. You see, the era of replacement theology says that the Christian church has succeeded the Israelites as the definitive people of God and that the new covenant has replaced the Hebrew scriptures. But God made the new covenant with the Jewish people, and he allows Gentiles to be a part of it. Anti-Semitic preachers who propagate replacement theology refuse to acknowledge the bigger picture 
that Bible prophecy is playing out right before our eyes. Therefore, God had to raise up a generation of evangelicals who are watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem in order to guard the Lord's end-time purposes in prayer while the fullness of the Gentiles is completed in the church and while national Israel is being restored prior to the second coming. It's finally important for replacement theologians who were hostile to Israel to learn a hard lesson from the life of the Protestant reformer, Martin Luther. You see, Luther was a brave man who stood up and defied corrupt church authorities 500 years ago. Luther led a Reformation movement to recover biblical truth about salvation by faith and trust in the Savior alone and putting our confidence in the authority of the Holy Scriptures. At first, Martin Luther spoke kindly about our Jewish patriarchs. But when the Jews didn't receive Jesus on Luther's time schedule, he turned bitterly against them like a snake, and he wrote an unspeakably dangerous and virulent anti-Semitic publication, fomenting that they should be burned alive in their synagogues. Well, Luther didn't live much longer after that. God had to take him out of this world. But later on in history, tragically, Luther's words haunted him because Hitler used Luther's hatred in Holocaust propaganda. So if you study his life, Luther didn't age well, and turning against the Jews toward the end of his life caused him quickly to lose favor with God. His vitriolic words eliminated any further service to God despite all of his earlier great accomplishments. Luther's crashing fall is a great warning to replacement theologians. Luther failed to learn the lesson that another former hothead, the Apostle Paul, had learned that love is patient and love is kind. You see, Luther simply lost patience with the Jewish people. He also failed to trust God about the New Testament promises that all of Israel will be saved. Luther allowed the disease of anti-Semitism to overtake his judgment. And alarmingly, I've noticed the same creeping anti-Semitism in some modern preachers, causing them to lose good judgment. They seem blinded to the fact that God himself has purpose to reinstate the Jews in these end times. Yet these arrogant preachers who promote the heresy of replacement theology set themselves against the Almighty and oppose the move of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is busy fulfilling the prophecies of Isaiah, Amos, Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, as well as Jesus in Luke 21, 24, and many more. Recently, I heard a televangelist in the United States speaking in ancient blood libel. He accused Israel of plotting to eradicate its Christians. That's a lie. He also denied that the Jewish people are God's chosen people and called them the synagogue of Satan. Well, throughout history, there have been Jews who have made themselves enemies of the church. But that doesn't abrogate God's choice of the Jewish people. 
God's faithfulness to save all of Israel in the last days for his own namesake has not changed. Anti-Semitism in the churches will never be sanctioned by God. You see, in the book of Acts, the move of God was resisted by the religious authorities of the day. But a rabbi named Gamaliel had a word of wisdom in Acts 5.39 that applies to any move of God. He said, if this be of God, you will not be able to stop it. And in fact, you might find yourself fighting against God. The Jewish council members agreed with what he said. So when replacement theology preachers declare war on so-called Christian Zionists, they're fighting God himself, just as Rabbi Gamaliel said. The replacement theologians don't know the scriptures nor the power of God, because if they knew the full counsel of God in this Bible, they would realize that God himself is a Zionist. Now that's not a political statement. It's a simple fact. Zion is a Bible concept and a Bible location. Mount Zion in Jerusalem. God has called Zion his home on earth. Jerusalem is where he's chosen to place his name. Well, sadly, I've known a few Christians who live in Israel, who've made an idol out of Israel. They've preferred to live in Israel and remain here. So a few of them have converted to Judaism and denied the Lord Jesus. That is idolatry, but that's not the case with the majority of evangelicals who support Israel's right to exist and who believe in Jesus and who believe in the fulfillment of Bible prophecies. The replacement theologians accuse us of only focusing on Israel and on land issues. They falsely accuse us of not preaching the gospel, and that's a lie. For example, Acts 1.8 is the mandate of our ministry, preaching the gospel from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. We also deeply care about the Arabs and the welfare of all the peoples of the region because we're builders of the Isaiah 19 highway, God's highway of peace that he says will stretch from Egypt in the south through the nation of Israel up into Assyria during the millennium rule of Messiah. Yet, callously, replacement theologians accuse Christian Zionists of only caring for the Jews. Well, that's mean-spirited and prejudicial. So-called Christian Zionists, and I'd rather use the term evangelicals or Bible believers, evangelical Bible believers, acknowledge that there is a lot of unrighteousness in the modern state of Israel. We pray for Israel to become a holy nation just as God intended Israel to be in the Torah. We pray for Israel's destiny to be fulfilled now. And we perceive that the God of Israel is actively in the process of bringing many end-time prophecies to pass at this time. You see, daily some Bible prophecy is being fulfilled in the land of Israel, and archaeology is bringing so much Bible truth to light. So I'm appalled at the lack of understanding of Bible prophecy, generally speaking, in the churches. The lack of understanding the exciting times in which we're privileged to live. We don't need to be chided by replacement theologians for believing in Israel's future and destiny. We're doing the work of God as faithful watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem. 
and we're faithful evangelists because praying for the peace of Jerusalem is part of the gospel message. Praying for the peace of Jerusalem hastens the return of the Lord. The Bible teaches that God made an eternal covenant promise to Abraham and his descendants, the Israelites, who became known, of course, as a Jewish people, the chosen people of the promise in Genesis 12. In the New Testament, God explained through the Apostle Paul that the Hebraic root into which the church has been grafted is holy, not profane. Jesus, Paul, John the Revelator, Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, Zechariah, Hosea, they all foresaw the last days and they all prophesied that Israel, Judea, and Jerusalem would be central stage to the second coming of Jesus the Messiah. So wake up, church, if you believe in the Lord's promise of the second coming. The Bible describes Him as coming to save the nation of Israel from extinction. Israel and the rest of the Middle East, of course, is a very complicated situation, and only the Lord can iron it all out. And as I study the Bible, I notice certain things concerning Israel that not only are they God's chosen people, He calls them the apple of His eye. And furthermore, we're commanded, it's a command to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And eventually Israel will receive none other than the Lord Jesus as their Messiah. Even though, tragically for a short while, they will be temporarily deceived and duped by the coming man of sin, the Antichrist. But that future episode will serve only to deepen their repentance. You see, the Antichrist will fail in his satanic lust to rule the world because only the Lord Jesus, the genuine Messiah, can permanently fix the problems in the Middle East when he returns to rule from the ancestral throne of his father David. In order for the Gentiles to become partakers of the kingdom of God, Scripture makes it very clear that the eyes of the Jews had to be temporarily blinded by God Himself to make room for the Gentiles. But the eyes of the Jewish people, because of God's covenant-keeping faithfulness, will be opened once again to welcome the coming King. Hallelujah. So I'd like to say to professing Christians who speak against the Holy Land and who libel the Jewish people, have you forgotten that the Bible was written mainly by Jews and the promises and covenants, including the new covenant, were made with them? They are everlasting covenants. God said in the prophecies in the Hebrew scriptures that he will bring the Jewish people back to their own land in the last days in order to glorify his holy name. So I'd like to ask the Israel haters, what version of the Bible are you reading? And are you even reading your Bibles? Because I, I want the audience, and I thank you for staying with me on this, to listen to Ezekiel 36. It says that God scattered the Jews among the nations because they profaned his holy name. But like a true father, he said he's going to have pity on them. And for the sake of his holy name, verse 22 of this chapter says, I will sanctify my great name 
for I will take you from among the nations and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then this amazing verse 25, then I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness. And verse 26 promises, I'm going to give you a new heart and I'm going to put a new spirit within you, Israel. And I will take from you the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and to keep my judgments. Has this happened yet? Not yet, but the stage has been set. And I guarantee you, because God is God, it's going to happen. And then verse 28 goes on. He says, and then you shall dwell in the land which I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people and I will be your God. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that brought guilt upon you, and you will loathe yourselves. See, they're going to be in deep repentance. God says, not for your sake do I do this. Let it be known to you. But thus saith the Lord, on that day when I cleanse you from your iniquities, I also will enable you to dwell in the cities and the ruins of your land shall be rebuilt. The desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. Then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted that which was desolate. I, the Lord, will do it. And then in verse 37, he says, I also will be inquired of by the house of Israel to do this for them. So here God is saying he's going to require intercession for this great end time revival to take place. But he said, I'm going to do it. And then the nations will know I am the Lord. How clear is all of that? Well, according to the principle of Genesis 12, 3, when God says he will bless those who bless Israel and he will curse those who curse Israel, there's a remnant of believers today who believe wholeheartedly that we're doing the right thing and certainly we're doing God's will in blessing Israel. But the replacement theologians don't believe that the current state of Israel is the fulfillment of prophecy. They're on the wrong side of history. They're fighting the wrong battle. They're fighting against the God of Israel. But I'm a simple person, and if the Bible tells me to bless Israel, that's what I'm going to do. And I hope you will also. I thank you that you stayed with me and you've heard my heart on this issue because I'm expressing, I believe, the Lord's heart for Israel. Many years ago, he told me in an epic dream that I must stand with what the Bible says about Israel when all the nations of the earth turn against Israel. And the United Nations have been repeatedly coming against Israel and Jerusalem. It's so important that you understand what's going on. And to understand the times, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. That's why we must be born again in order to understand the times. So how do we get born again 
our spirits renewed. How do we become right with God? My friends, the Bible says the only way a person will ever get into the presence of God is if our sins are removed. And the only way our sins can ever be removed is by sacrifice. For the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So there must be a sacrifice for sin. And the good news of the gospel is the final sacrifice for sins was Jesus on the cross. If you reject his work of redemption, there's no other sacrifice for sin. If you turn your back on Jesus, he said, you will die in your sins. That's what he said. So God, we're asking you to penetrate our hearts with a holy reverential fear of you and with revelation of the truth about salvation and forgiveness in the gospel. Give us wisdom for these days of deception. Speak to us the truth that's essential for us to hear. The Bible says that if we believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, and if we're willing to surrender our lives to him and make Jesus Lord of our lives, we shall be saved. Salvation not by works, but by faith in Messiah is the good news of the gospel. And I rejoice that the good news of the gospel also includes healing. We have so many healing testimonies in our ministry, and I want to pray for you if you write to me. In the meantime, feel free to contact me on the social media or through our website at exploits.tv, where you can sign up to receive our weekly updates. And don't forget to download our free Jerusalem Channel app. And so until next time, I'm always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. Maranatha and Shalom.